you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church. Amen. We are, I guess we're going to continue on here with our, our series that, uh, that we've been on here for the last, I don't know, I guess we're on part 10 here, so last 10 weeks, amen, with, with Brother Adrian kind of mixing in here and there every, uh, every three or four of those weeks. So glory to God, I tell you. Glory to God. Find out who we are in Christ. Is an, amazing, is an amazing thing that we all need to grab a hold of. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Glory. Again, come back here. I am people to talk with me here, man, so I don't feel like I'm all by myself up here. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, it's a great time to be back here with you guys. I, I so enjoy. I so enjoy getting to, getting to come back and minister, minister in this church. I love seeing things at the beginning phases and seeing God, God work. Because I'm telling you, if y'all, if y'all haven't figured this out yet, we are in the greatest city of all of Ireland. Amen. I'm, I'm kind of, I don't know about that. I'm telling we are in the greatest city of all of Ireland. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine. His name's uh, John Ahern. And I, and I was uh, his assistant pastor there for a couple years when we first moved over here out of Dublin. And he, he called me last week and I was like, hey, hey, Ryan, how's everything going? How's the church going up in Derry? And I was like, oh, man, it's going great. You know, it's at the beginning stages, but everything, you know, everything's, we're having a great time, you know. And he was like, he's like, well, what do you think about the city up there? I said, man, I love it. I said, it's probably the greatest city I think I've ever been in, in Ireland. He goes, what? what? Better in Dublin? And I said, yeah, yeah, quite a bit better in Dublin. I said, the people are nice up here. Amen. They're lovely people. And he just couldn't believe it, that, that Derry City would be more inclined and more, more a beneficial city than Dublin himself. I'm telling you, I love this city. I love it. And I'm telling you, that's not just preacher talk. Amen. That's not just preacher talk. It's not, it's not just because we have a great history here. It's not because, you know, we're probably in the, probably the most beautiful part of the country up here. It has, not, it has nothing to do with it. I'm telling you, it's the people up here that draw me. I mean, there's some, I'm telling you, it's, this is Jesus, and this is Jesus alone. He is, he is beginning to shift something in Kimberly and my, my family's heart, amen, for the people that are up here. Because I'm telling you, church, God loves you. I mean, God loves you. He desires you. He wants you. Amen. I mean, I'm telling you, this, this drawing has so impacted me that we, that we have left. Now, not necessarily left, we just don't get to spend all of our time there, but we, but we probably walked away from the greatest church in all of Ireland down in Dundalk. I'm telling you, most of y'all hadn't been there. I'm telling you, it is the greatest church in all of Ireland. It's a powerhouse church with powerhouse people growing up in the things of God. And we, we walked away from those things. Why? Because we want to get hooked up with what God wants to do. I'm telling you, Jesus says, you know what? You know, I, I love these people up here in Derry. Amen. I, I got a call for these people in Derry, and we need, to, we need to get with these people so, they, so this city is not just known as the, the city of many names anymore, that this city actually becomes a city that is set upon the hill, amen, that begins to draw all people from around this region, from all the counties around this region, into the city because of the light that's shining on the inside of it, not because of the religion, not because of history, not because of some walls around here. No, we're going to break down walls, amen, and allow his goodness to begin to flow. But see, it takes some people to get hooked up with these things. Amen. I'm telling you, God loves you. See, when you come to the, when you come to this place of the understanding and realization that God does love you, amen, that he desires you, that he's jealous over you, that he's desire, he has such a desire for you to change something on the inside of you to where you can go change the city. Listen, church, I'm telling you, you'll spark such a flame on the inside of you that you won't, you won't be able to help but get submitted unto him. Hmm? That you won't, you can't, you won't stand it. You can't do anything but have a desire to get completely and 100% submitted unto him. Why? Because there will be no fear. You start talking about submission, man, everyone gets quiet. Amen. But there will be no fear of submission. When you come to this place, church, of knowing how much he loves you, how much he desires for you, that there is nothing but good in him. He's not the one that's came and harmed you. He's not the one that's, you know, shut down your church. He's not the one that's killed someone in your family. He's not the one that, that has taken a job from you. He's not the one that's done those things. There's nothing but good in him. And when we come to understand that, listen, church, you desire to put yourself in complete submission under him because you'll find that he is good. Does anyone here actually believe that? Amen. Now don't give me the nod. Oh, yes, preacher. I, I hear you. You know, God, I, I, he's good. I know. Anytime you ask a question, I'm supposed to nod or say amen. No, no. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm saying honestly answer this question on the inside of your heart. Because see, until you can honestly answer it, God can't deal with you on it. Amen. We, got, we have got to come to this place to understand how good he is. Amen. How much he adores you. How much he loves you. 
How much he's already set up a path and a calling for your life if you'll just, if you'll just grab a hold of it and begin to believe what he has to say. And this is what I love about the apostles. I mean, the apostles, you know, you know, they were so completely submitted under the things of God. See, we need to get back to the way the church, the church was when it first got started. I mean, because we are way off course. And the apostles, when, when the church, first uh, church was started, listen, you go read through the epistles here. You, you look at Paul, you look at, you know, Jude, you look at Peter, you look at James. What is the first thing that they said about themselves? Huh? They said, Paul. A servant, as the King James says. The King James says, a servant and an apostle. Amen. That, that word servant there is the Greek word doulos. Amen. It means a slave. See, they, they said, you know what, slavery is not really a nice way of saying that. We're just going to say he's a servant. Now, that word means slave. It means a bond slave. See these, see, these early church members, they knew, they came to the recognition knowing how good that God was, how, how, how genuine he was, how he has nothing but good planned for him. They said, you know what, you know what, I'm, I'm not just here with Jesus. No, I'm making my slave. I'm putting myself in bondage under Jesus himself. I, I decide to be a slave to Jesus because I choose to do it. Why? Because I found that he's so good, there's nothing else I'd rather do than, than be placed underneath his ruling in our lives. This, this is what it's called to be a Christian. Hmm? This, this is what it's called to be a Christian, placing yourself fully, 100% under the submission of the Lord himself. Amen? I tell you, this fascinates me. Is that fascinating to anyone else? And people, oh, I ain't going to say that. You know, I don't know about all that. Don't be calling me a slave. I mean, this, this, all this stuff is so rubbish, church. I mean, you're not, you're not allowing yourself to be called a slave. I'm, I, I'm the one that knows everything. You know, don't, don't be allowing me to do this. I'm, I'm going to do what I want to do, so on and so forth. Well, listen, church, this is the same reason why you are in bondage still to the world. It's the same reason. Well, let me, okay, Lord, I'll say it a little more firmer there. This is the same reason why you're in bondage to Satan himself. Why? Because see, you don't, you're not submitted under your own self. You're submitted into one thing or the other. You are a slave. You are a servant to what you yield yourself to. You want to yield yourself in the world? You're a servant. You're a slave to it. You want to yield yourself unto the Father? Listen, you can be a slave unto him. Amen. I'm telling you, there's, not, there's nothing but good unto him. There's nothing but good unto him. We talked about this in Colossians 1.13. See, this was, this was the purpose that Jesus came down here. Right? This was, this was his purpose, that, that he hath, what, delivered us out of the power of darkness. The Father has delivered us out of the power of darkness. He has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. He brought us into a new kingdom. He said, I'm going to break you free from this power of darkness, and I'm going to translate you into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom you have redemption through his blood, through the blood of Jesus, even the forgiveness of sins. And he says, I'm rescuing you. I'm sent, Jesus came down here for a purpose. It was to rescue you from darkness. Amen. And to translate you to, to where he could purchase you and bring you into the possession of his own self. I'm telling you, church, it says he hath already done that. That word is a perfect present tense word. It means it was done 2,000 years ago, and it's done right now. And it'll be done tomorrow. And it'll be done the next day. Every day that you're alive, it'll be done to that, that place. It, it's already been done. It's already been completed. Satan has no power over you anymore. His darkness has no power over you anymore. The only power he has in your life is if you yield it unto him, if you give it unto him. You say, well, I just can't stop. Doing it. No, you, you're choosing to do those things. I mean, why? Because if, if we are in Christ, he rips you out of that. He's broken the chain. He's broken it. He says, he says it has no power over you anymore. And then what did he do? He, he brought you into his kingdom. He said, now, now you're one of mine. Now you're one of my children. Now you're free. Now you can be made whole. Glory to God. I gave, a, I gave an example of this last week down in, in Dundalk when I was ministering down there. Talking about people that, are, that get changed by absolutely placing themselves into submission under the things of God. There's a, a group of people, they were called the Moravian Church. Powerful, powerful group of people. Now, even before the Protestant Reformation in the 1500s, these people are already pushing back against the universal church. They were already saying, you know what? I'm, I'm reading through this word, and there's, you know, for some reason I'm thinking that, that, that it's only faith that saves us, and it's not some works that we have to do. And what happened? It started bringing a sect. They got called a sect. They got called a cult, all these kind of different things, just kind of like how our church gets called that, amen? Because anytime, anytime you actually believe what the word of God says, amen, religion's going to come after you. 
Amen. And religion's going to try to shut you down. And it's the same thing that happened to these people. But these people, they fled, I think it was somewhere like the, the Czech Republic or some, somewhere in that, that, that area over there in Eastern Europe. And they, they came, they settled there in Germany. And they got hooked up with this, this guy named Count Zinzendorf. Amen. An amazing revival got birthed out of these people. You say, what kind of revival was it? Because I haven't heard of it. Well, the part reason you haven't heard of it is because it's a prayer revival. Amen. These people all came together. They said, you know what? You know, I believe that we need to have prayer 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So this group of people begin to pray and pray and pray. There was, never, there was never a place without someone praying in the middle of that sanctuary for you know how long? For 100 years. For 100 years, there was someone every minute of every hour of every day, 365 days a year praying. Believe in God. Believe in God for revival. Believe in God for people to get healed. Believe God for the flame of old to get birthed back in the church once again. They're believing God. Believe in God. Believe in God. And you know what happened? You know what happened throughout? About in the middle of it, a great missionary movement birthed out in that church. A great missionary movement birthed out. Amen. There's a guy, I think it was from St. Thomas. He was a slave that got freed. He came over, he started talking to him and started exciting all these people. And they're like, you know what? You know what? We need, we need to go over there to the West Indies and, and minister into these people. I think St. Thomas, back in these days, it was owned by uh, the Danes or it was owned by uh, the Dutch. Amen. But now it's, uh, the, the States has it. But, but back then they said, well, we need to go over there. So, so they went to the Danish government or the Dutch government, whichever one it was. They both start with a D. Amen. They, they talked with them and said, you know what? We're going over there. We're get, we want to go minister the gospel unto these slaves over there. They said, you can't do it. The only way you're going to go to those people and minister the gospel to them is if you become a slave. Why? Because they're worthless. They're not, they're not worth anything. You can't go minister unto them unless you become just like them. Work side by side with them. Then, John, then you can go talk to them. Then you can reveal yourself. You know what a couple of them did? They said, we'll go. We'll go. We'll go. We'll sell ourselves into slavery. We'll sell ourselves into slavery. And what happened? In 1732, somewhere in that range, they, they went out of a port of Copenhagen on their way to St. Thomas. Why? In slavery, so they, can, so they could minister the gospel unto some people. Why? I tell you, they had, they had an amazing saying here it, uh, that, that ended up being the, the battle cry for all the missionaries here. As they were on the ship, it's, they said, they were screaming out to their brothers and sisters on the shore saying, may the lamb that was slain receive his reward of his suffering. Whoo, church, come on now. You have people that just put themselves in bondage going halfway across the world to minister into slaves. They say, why are you going? Why? So the lamb can receive his reward. The lamb that was slain, may he receive the reward. What's that reward? It's you. It's you. I'm telling you, it's the slaves. It's the poor. It's the rich. Amen. It's the, it's the smart. It's the idiots. I mean, it's everybody. It's not a gender. It's not, it's not male. It's not female. It's not anything about it. It's not about color. Amen. Jesus loves people. Amen. They said, we will give up our sides. We will get put in bonds so we can release people from bonds. I'm telling you, that is the, that is the most powerful thing I think I've ever heard anyone do for the things of, for the kingdom of God. Amen. In the Western church, we have a problem getting to church on Wednesday. Amen. You got people that, that were so submitted under the things of God. God was so real to them that they said, you know what? I'll give up my life because I know he loves those people so much. And someone has to bring the gospel. Someone has to bring the gospel to these people. And they, and they set off. Whew. I'm telling you why? Because they knew they were purchased. Huh? First Corinthians 620, what does it say? For you were bought with a price. You were purchased. You were bought with the blood of Jesus. You were bought with a price. It says, therefore, glorify God in your body and glorify him in your spirit. Amen. Why? Give everything all because you don't possess it anymore. Amen. Your body's not yours anymore. Amen. Your spirit, it's not yours anymore. This wicked mind you have, it's not yours anymore. Amen. It's his. Amen. He purchased it with his blood. This is what we got to get back to, church. We got to get that place where we, where we give our lives to Jesus because that's exactly what it is. You turn over your lives unto him. Amen. Not just, not just a compartment of your life. Not just a wee bit of your heart. Not just, you know, Sunday, Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. No, it's, it's giving him everything you have. Why? Because he is that good. He deserves it. I'm telling you, the lamb that was slain may receive his reward of his suffering. Woo. 
I'm telling you, he's worthy of it. Our Jesus, he's worthy of it. I mean, this is why I get so concerned about the, about the, about the, you know, just re, let's just repeat the prayer type, type of thing. You know, repeat the prayer of salvation and everything, and everything's grand. Don't worry about it. You can go do whatever you want to do. Just repeat this prayer with me, and nothing changes in people's lives. Amen. I'm telling you, I, I, don't, I don't like that. Why? Because I don't believe Jesus likes it. Why? Because when we get saved, when we get redeemed, when we get reborn, something has to take place on the inside of us. We have to change. Why? Because he strips everything out of us that's not him. Amen. And puts him on the inside of us. We get merged. We get married. We come in union with the king. Amen. If something doesn't change, listen, church, I'm telling you, it just the prayer you said or the confirmation you did or getting baptized as a child, none of that, none of that stuff matters. It's the change. It's a change that takes place. It's a change we're hunting after. Amen. So if we can get this right, church, if we can get the rebirth right, listen, everything else will fall into place. But we got to get that part right. We got to get outside of religion. We got we got to get the rebirth right. And no, if we can just get that, if we can get pointed in the right direction and receive the true rebirth, I'm telling you, the game's over. Amen. Game will be over, and we can go do everything that He has called us to do. See that that's where you get into the place you try you don't. Hmm. That's when we'll get into that place where we stop trying to disprove everything that Jesus said we can do. Why? Because you made one with him. You say, man, I I know he's real. If he said it, it's done. Amen. He says, I can heal the sick. Guess what I'm going to go do? I'm going to go lay hands on the sick. Well, I'm, like, I'm not going to try to disprove it. No, I'm just going to trust him. Why? Because I'm submitting to him because he's, he's my owner. Amen. If he told me to go do something just like your boss doesn't work, listen, you go do it. Amen. He's the one that takes responsibility for it. See, that, that, yeah, I'll say that, Lord. That, that, that will relieve you of, of a lot of pressure if you'll just understand that if you, if you go lay hands on the sick, it's not you that's required to heal people. Amen? It's not you. Amen? You're not the one that's required to give people back, you know, if, if they sow into your ministry or in your church. It's not you. You're not responsible for those things. The king is. Amen? Jesus is. He's the one that heals people. He's the one that delivers people. He's the one that sets people free, not us. We're just the vessel that he works through. Amen. We just got to be willing to step out when he desires to do something. Amen. And rock and roll with Jesus. Glory to God. Amen. So we get to this place. We get to this place of full submission. This is where, this is where we said here in Colossians 2.10 a couple weeks ago that you are complete in him right now. See, oh, one of these days, brother, I'm going to be complete. I'll be perfected as soon as we get into those pearly gates in heaven. How many of y'all know that heaven's not our, 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 our eternal dwelling place? Does, it, does, it, does everyone realize that in here? No, no it, it's, it's temporary. We're going there for a bit, and then we're going with the king back down here, amen, to live for eternity with him sitting on the throne in Jerusalem, amen? Amen? It's not when we get to the... Per- no, Jesus made you complete right now. He perfected you right now. Amen? Something that's already been taking place. You say, well, my flesh don't look like it, man. My mind, no, I'm not talking about your flesh. I'm talking about the real you. Your spirit, man, has been completed. It has been redeemed. It has been made whole. It has been perfected. Now, if we can start being yielded to that, led by that and everything that we're doing, it'll change the way you think. It'll start changing what you do with your body. Amen? It will, it will begin to redeem the rest of you. He says in John 1.4, he says, in him was life. Some of our foundational scriptures, right? In him was life. And this life was the light of man. In him was life, was a zoe, the God kind of life. Amen. And this life was the light. It was the, it was the phos of man. What, what is phos? Is that Greek word light? Is the manifestation of the life of God revealed, amen, revealed by his illumination, revealed by the light that's on the inside of you. You've now become like a, a lightning bug. Amen. Do you have those little, those little bug zappers that are there? That are you are that light that's doing what? Drawing everyone to it. Amen. Draw, drawing everything to it. Why? So they can get zapped. So why? So they can die. Right? So they can be dying. Why? So Jesus can raise them back into life. Amen. We are. We are that light. It says here in Matthew 5, 14, that what? That Jesus is the light of the world. Hmm? No. No, you are the light of the world. Why, you've been merged and made one in union with Jesus. You are the light of the world. You are the foes of the world. You are the city that's set upon the hill. Amen. Jesus left so yet you could become this place. Amen. If we'll come to that place of realizing it. John 1, 4, uh, 1 5, excuse me, says, The light, that, the, the, light the foes that shines in the darkness. And the darkness couldn't comprehend it. 
His light that shines in the darkness, skodia, that Greek word, spiritual obscurity. Amen, the light that shines in the monks of spiritual obscurity. Amen, and darkness can't handle it. Darkness can't do anything with it. It can't grab it, it can't grasp it. All it does is run from it. Amen. Why? Because the light penetrates. It purges. It pushes back. There is no such thing as darkness. It is obscurity. Amen. Why? Because when light comes into place, it doesn't exist anymore. Light, but light has to come into place. The light of the life of God. Amen. The manifestation of his life. Over the last several weeks, we, we talked about this. We said that the only weapon that Satan has against you is darkness. The only weapon he has against you is darkness, is spiritual obscurity. It's not, it's not the curse. It's not poverty. It's not sickness. See, those things can't come upon you unless you permit it. Amen. When, when things get obscured on the inside of you. Yeah, I'll say that. Depression. Depression can't come upon you. Amen. Unless you permit it. Why? Because it's obscurity. Amen. It's, it's obscurity. It's darkness. It, it, is, it is manipulating the light that's on the inside of you. Do you begin to believe him, the adversary, more than the Father? And what happens? You begin to start speaking these things. And when you start speaking these things, you are the one that gives life to it, not Satan. We give life to it. When we speak forth these things, we give life unto it. Don't you, church, we need to mind what comes out of our mouth. Your mouth is powerful. Your mouth is powerful. Whatever you believe, church, is what you confess. And what you confess, I promise you, as we always say in this house, it will manifest in your life. Amen. We've got to get to that place of, of changing the things that we say. How do you do that? You change what you believe. We change what we believe. Mm, I'm telling you, church, that's why, this is why, this is why we, hmm, yeah. I mean, you know, Satan can't steal your light. Hmm? Your sin can't steal your light. Your mistakes can't steal your light. Satan can't steal it from you. Now, you can give it away. I mean, but he can't take it from you. I mean, he can't take light from you. He can't take the light and the life of God. But what he can do is that he can't obscure it. Amen. That's why we get a lot of weak Christians walking around the world nowadays because he can't obscure it. I mean, he, he can't make it very hazy to where everyone that's looking upon you can't tell if you're a Christian or not. Oh, I know they say they're a Christian, but really are they? Amen. People ought to be able to look at you and know without a shadow of a doubt. Why? Because you're one of those weird ones. Amen. You're fanatical. Amen. Why? Because that, that's someone that's submitted under the things of God. See, we look at that like that's a bad thing in the church. Oh, man, I don't want to be like one of those weird Christians, you know, actually speak in tongues and, you know, you actually want to lay hands on people and believe God's going to actually do something. Now, those are the people people will come to you. Amen. When something's going, they may make fun of you now. But I'm telling you, I know why, because I'm like the black sheep of my family. Our whole families are Baptist. Amen. But what happens when they need healing in their body? They don't go to their pastor. Hmm? Why? Because they won't pray for you. Amen. But they'll come to me. Why? And they'll get results because of it. Why? Because we believe what the word says. It's okay to be fanatical. Let me give you permission to be fanatical. Amen. It's okay. Amen. Glory to God. It's okay. Amen. But, but he can't steal these things. He can make it hazy on the inside of you. Now, we spent, we spent the, the last several weeks talking about light and, light and darkness, so you can hear that one statement alone, that Satan can't steal these things from you. You can give it away. You can allow it to be obscured in your life, but he can't steal it from you. Why? Because Jesus won't let him. Amen? Jesus, God the Father, will not take away your salvation. Now, I don't believe... Oh, here we go. I, I don't believe in one saved, always saved. Amen? Because uh, that's, a, that's a foul doctrine, because God never takes away. He never takes away your ability to choose. Amen? Why? Because love gives you the ability to choose. Amen? Now, now, I don't believe in one saved, always saved, but I do believe in one saved, mostly always saved. Meaning, meaning no one can take it from you. God's not going to take it from you. Satan's not going to take it from you. But you can't hand it over if you don't want it anymore. You can choose to put it down at the feet of the cross and walk off from it if you so choose it. Why? Because he gives you the choice to do it. Amen. He is that good. He loves so much that he'll allow you to ruin your life if you want to. Amen. But he also heal your life to 100% if you want to. Amen. Because our God is that good. Our God is that good. I'm telling you, he just doesn't love you, church. He desires you. He's jealous for you. He's jealous for you. So we come looking at these things. Listen, this is why we, this is why we look back at the, 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 the early church and wonder, why aren't we doing things like they're doing? You know, we, according to the word, we should be doing greater things than they're doing. 
and what they birthed. And, we, and we're so far off track from when they are. You say, why is that? Because we, we don't believe what these things say. Amen? Yeah, we believe that Jesus loves us, but we think that he loved the early church more than us. We think that he loves Adrian more than us. We think they love Cynthia more than us. I think he loves you, Mark. No, not Margaret. No, no, he thinks he loves Margaret more than us. Amen. I mean, we, we, think, we think God, you know, loves more than, than others. God does, I'm telling you, he desires everyone. He desires the heathen out there. Amen. He gave up his life for the ones that will never even receive him. That's the goodness of our God. That is the goodness of our God. You say, well, why does Satan come in and try to manipulate? Why is he come in to obscure it? I'm telling you, church, how I many of y'all know that Satan's in fear of you? See, most of the church runs around in fear of Satan, but I'm telling you, Satan's in fear of you. He's in fear that if you will actually begin to believe what the Word of God says, if you'll actually begin to believe that Jesus loves you as much as he loves the Father, according to John chapter 17, one of my favorite chapters in the Word, if you come to that realization, no, he loves you just like he loves Jesus, I'm telling you, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. I'm telling you, you know, you know, you know the Father himself says, you know what, Carrie? I love you as much as my son. I, lo- I love you as much as Jesus himself. You and everything that comes with that package. Everything. He says, I love you just as much as Jesus does. You, you don't believe me? Get in John chapter 17 and study that out for a little bit. I'm telling you, Jesus so, so he was sitting there praying to the Father, and he says, you know, Father, you know, may the world know that you love them, talking about you, as much as he as loves me. I'm telling you, that will set you free. That will get you to a place where you're not scared to make a mistake anymore. That will get you in a, in a place that you want to boldly step out and do everything for him. Why? Because he loves you. He cherishes you just as much as he does Jesus. Whew. I'm telling you, church, and I'm telling you, that puts Satan in fear. Because See, when you come to that realization, you're going to see his darkness, his obscurity coming to you. You're going to feel that pain of sickness. You're going to hear about COVID's coming around. You're going to hear about all this nonsense, and it's going to make you irritated. Why? Because it's not of him. And you begin to stand up and speak to it and command it and demand that it walk away from you, that it walk away from your family members. It will make you irritated when you walk down the street and you see someone hobbling in a wheelchair, and they don't know they can do anything about it. Why? Because it's from the adversary, and you can't stand anything that he begins to bring with him. I'm telling you, Satan knows these things. He knows that you have mouth. You have power to push back on these things. He knows you can push back on the curse, and it'll actually move. He knows that when devils start showing up in people, it'll make you so repulsed on the inside of you that you begin to raise your voice and command devils, and they have no choice but to do exactly what you say to do. Why? Because you know who you are in Christ. You know who your identity is. I mean, the early church knew who they were. I mean, do we know who we are? Amen. Are we speaking forth these things? Do we actually know who we are? Amen. See, so we completely understand who we are in Christ. We'll stop speaking negatively, contemptibly of, about the people in the church. Amen. We'll start doing life with them. Ooh. We'll stop gossiping about people, trying to lift ourselves up and make ourselves look better. Amen. Instead, we'll start doing life with them. Why? Because we're going to spend eternity with them. God loves them as much as he loves me. Yeah, yeah, that one, that one may be preaching from the pulpit. That one may have a business. This one may have that. But he loves me just as much, and he has something for me too. All I got to do is find out. All I got to do is seek him out and find it. Amen? Jealousy, envy, squashed in an instant, if you know how much you're loved by him. If you know how much you're loved by him. Oh, I made this statement. I made this statement probably about probably about a month ago, I guess, already, I made this statement, and this is what got us into this whole light and darkness teaching because God wanted to lay a foundation. Amen. With that one statement I made about a month ago. You say, what is that? I said, I have a desire that we as a church, we as the body of Christ, we begin to walk outside the streets and our shadows begin to heal people. And we're walking, we're so filled up with the glory and the power of God, amen, that, that people come on the streets and they desire just to get close enough to it and they'll get healed. And that, that's my desire. Why? Because it's Jesus' desire. Amen. It's Jesus' desire for the church, so it's my desire for the church. That each and every one of us is like that, not just one, but each and every one of us in here are like that, and we give that, give that to other people. Amen. But listen, that's what provoked this teaching. So now I want to kind of come back, and I want, to, I, want to, I want to touch on this. I want to teach on this here for a minute. So I can kind of explain exactly what was happening here in Acts chapter 5. In Acts chapter 5, 
probably start off here in about verse 11, I guess. And that, but how many of you guys know, before we get started on that, how many of you guys know that the church was birthed in supernatural power? Hmm? That's how God established the church. It was birthed in supernatural power. And I promise you, before the church comes and leaves this place, I mean, it goes to our temporary place in heaven, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have to be revived in supernatural power again. Why? Because there is a great call. There's a great destiny upon the church. There's a great revival that has to come take place before Jesus comes down to this earth. Amen. And we are going to have to get hooked up with it. Amen. I'm telling you, church, the body of Christ, we've, we've worked so hard, I mean, about trying to do things our own way. Amen. Why don't we just pull back just a little bit and maybe try to do things the way Jesus wants us to do it and see what actually happens? Amen. Just begin to trust them. Do it. Little things like Jesus said to do it. I'm telling you, you're going to see some amazing things happen. Amen. See, we, we, this, we're, we're trying to birth a new fire is what we're trying to do. I'm telling you, we just need to pick up the fire of old. Amen. There was a fire of old that was burning, the same fire that came in, in Acts chapter 2 and, 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 and engulfed, amen, those disciples, the 120 that were in the upper room. We need to go back and catch some of that flame instead of trying to, you know, use the flint sticks and get something new going on. I'm telling you, the new is nothing. Amen. It's what got birthed, amen, is what we need to grab a hold of. Then he can allow that thing to get uncontrollable on the inside of us if we will just allow that to be birthed on the inside of us. Amen. But here in verse 11, he says, and a great fear, and a great fear came upon the church and upon so many that heard these things. And a great fear came upon the church. Now listen, when he says fear, this isn't, this isn't the fear like in 2 Timothy 1.7 where he says that God didn't give us a spirit of fear but a power of love and a sound mind. That's not that kind of fear, amen, because fear is not, it, was, it, was, it shouldn't come upon the church, amen. We shouldn't be yielding to fear. Why? Because it's a spirit, amen. And you all have fear in your life, it's a spirit manipulating you. Amen. God didn't give us that spirit of fear. No, he gave us power, love, and a sound mind. When he's talking about fear here, when fear came upon the church, it was a reverence. Amen. A great reverence, a great honor, you know, came, came upon the church. Amen. Why? Because people began to realize that God was actually with them. It's not some game of religion anymore. God was actually there with them doing signs, wonders, and miracles by their hands. And they're like, man, man, the game of religion has to be over. Amen. Because God's actually here. We need to get straightened up and a great fear, great reverence came upon. Why? Because God was with them. I mean, they knew God. They knew, they knew that they knew that God was with them. And what happened there in the latter part of, of chapter 4? You see that they began to sell all their possessions. Sam all the, sold all their possessions and came and laid it down at the apostles' feet. I mean, I'm not going to take up an offering here. I'm not trying to tell you to go get rid of everything you have. Listen, the only way you ought to be doing that is the Holy Ghost leads you to do it. I mean, I'll, ne I'll never pour out every penny I have unless the Holy Ghost says to do it. Why? Because that may be my seed. Amen. That needs to come back to me. That, that I may need to sow or made to be my bread I need to eat. Amen. We do things as the Holy Ghost leads us to do it. Amen. But what were they doing? They were, they were so engulfed in the presence, so submitted unto God. They were selling all the things they had of excess and bringing it down at the apostles' feet. Why? They, they wanted the kingdom to flourish. They, they didn't care about their luxury in life more than they cared about God's people getting saved. Amen. About the gospel message going around the world and redeeming you know, the people that needed it. I'm telling you, church, they were in a, a lot different position than we are. I mean, I believe, now listen, I believe in prosperity. Amen. But I'm not one of those prosperity type preachers you see on TV. Amen. See, I believe in prosperity, but not for our own comfort. Amen. Thank God you have a nice house. Thank God if you have a nice car. Praise God. Those are amazing things. God doesn't mind you having nice things. But I'm telling you, God wants to pour things in your life for one reason and one reason only. Not so you can get comfortable, fat, and do nothing for the kingdom of God. No, he wants to pour things in your hands. Why? So you can pour it into the world. Amen. So you can pour it into missions. You can pour it into the church. You can pour it into the poor. Amen. I'm telling you, we got, we got a good God. Amen. So, he, so they were doing all these things. They sold off everything they had, brought it down to the apostles' feet, and then you had Ananias and Sapphira. Oh, we could go preaching on that. But we had Ananias and Sapphira. They said, you know what? everyone's getting all this props. They're getting all this praise, you know, for, for selling what they have and, and bringing it at the apostles' feet. You know what? We're going to do the same thing. 
I, I, I want a little bit of that. I want a little bit of that, you know, self, self-promotion. I'd love for that to come on the inside of me. So, so I, want, I want to get moved up in the kingdom. So I'm going I'm to be a big giver too. So what they do, they went and sold their property and they gave just a wee bit in peace. They, 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 they cornered off a part. They gave it to the church and then they held back the rest of themselves because they're like, man, I ain't that stupid. I ain't, I ain't going to give away everything I have. I'm going to hold a little bit back so I don't have to go begging for anything. But, I, but I, I'm going to tell everyone I did this. And when they told everyone they did it, they didn't just lie to the church. They lied to the Holy Ghost. And when they lied to the Holy Ghost, I mean, it opened up the door for Satan to come in and he stole their life. He ripped their life right from them. Amen. Brought death into them. And then what happened? All these amazing things were starting to take place. And what happened? Then a reverence came upon the church. Then, then an honor for the things of God came upon the church. You say, you say, why in the world did Satan do that? I'm telling you, Satan hates you. I'm telling you, you give him an opportunity, he hates you. Why? Because you look like your father, you act like you should be acting like your father, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are in union with you. I'm telling you, he can't stand you. Why? Because he can't, he can't be in that place. Every time he looks at you, he's reminded of Jesus. Every time he looks at you, he's reminded of the Father. And he can't stand you. He wants to bring death in your life. If we give him the opportunity, church, he's gonna take it. He's gonna take it. That's his ministry is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his ministry. Jesus is to bring life. Amen. We don't submit to that ministry. Don't, don't let him come in there. Hallelujah. Amen. But instead of this church getting in fear because, wow, these two people just died. Oh, my God. What just happened? You, you know, well, go bury them. Amen. Instead of fear coming upon the church, people start leaving the church in groves. Amen. What happened? No, they, they started coming into union. They became in one accord. They became serious about the things of God. I'm telling you, we could use a little bit more reverence in the church. Uh, I'm telling you, hello, church. We could use a little bit more reverence. We need to get a posture of reverence and unity back in the church. Here in verse 12, it says, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all in one accord in one place. What does being in one accord mean? It doesn't mean just that you're, we're in one accord here. No, you're, you're in one place here. Amen. One accord usually brings you into, into the same place together. Amen. What does one accord mean? It means to be in the same mind. Amen. We get to the same mind, the same thought life. Listen, you begin to gather yourself with people that have the same mind, the same thought life. And when, you, when we get in one accord in one place, this is when buildings start shaking. This is when the dead start getting raised up. This is when the Holy Ghost gets absolute freedom to do everything he wants to do, but we got to get into that place where we're in union. See, that's why I talk about Dundalk being so powerful. Why? Because we're in union. We're in one accord with the way we think. I'm telling you, God can have his way in that place, and he does. But it's just the birthing of it. It's not the finishing spot. It's the birthing of it. I'm telling you, I look forward to even greater things happening here in this house. Hallelujah. Say, what does one accord look like? We're about to read with it. Signs, wonders, and miracles followed them everywhere they went. In verse 13, it says, In the rest, there had no man joined himself to, but the people magnified him. Listen, church, don't, don't find it strange if the world and religion don't come into agreement and don't join themselves to you. Let, let, me, let, me, let me rephrase that. You're going to have to be okay, amen, with the world and religion and people not joining themselves unto you. You're going to have to be okay with that. You're going to have to be okay with them not agreeing with your standards, with your morality, with you being completely consumed by Jesus. You're going to have to be okay with that, amen. You're going to have to get okay with it, amen. And then just allow yourself to be that example. Allow yourself to be that example. Because see, they didn't want to join them, but they did magnify them. They didn't join them, but they said, you know what? Adrian, man, that guy's kind of a, little, a little different. I don't know if I want to be like him, but I'm telling you, that's a man of God. That's a man. See, I, had a, I have a, a, a friend, amen, that, that is a flaming, flaming Baptist, flaming Reformed Baptist. And he sits there, and, and uh, we're sitting there around a bunch of his Baptist friends, and we're sitting there chatting about things. I said, and I'll tell you, and I don't, I don't, I don't put up with lies when it comes to my father. I'm like, no, 
you know, my God's a healer. My God's this, my God's that. And I'm talking all this stuff. And, and as I'm walking away, they're like, how, how do you hang around that guy? How do you hang around that guy? You guys have two completely different doctrines as they're talking to this man. And the guy believes that Jesus actually speaks to you. He believes the gifts of the Spirit are still in operation. He believes that he can actually heal people through Jesus when he lays hands on people. And he said, you know, I don't necessarily agree with all his doctrine, but I know who he is. He's real. He's real. And the things, and there's amazing things that come with him. And he's real. I don't agree with everything he says, but he's real. Amen. See, people don't always have to agree with everything you say, church. But I'm telling you, if they can just see the realness on the inside of you, listen, they'll, they'll start breaking down some of those walls, amen, to where they can actually be around you. And you will be able to shift something in their life. And I'll even go on to the other side of saying this. If the world is in agreement with you, if the world loves to be around you, Church, you better be checking yourself. You better check yourself. Are you reverencing the things of God? Because I'm telling you, the world ought to, ought to have, they ought to get jittery when they're around you. Why? Because of the presence you carry. Amen. And you ought to get so filled up with that presence that the world, they can either run from you or they're running to you. Amen. But they're not in the middle. Amen. Don't be, don't be okay with being in the gray area. There is no gray area in the church. Amen. We're either flaming hot or we are not. Amen. It says here in verse 13, and no man, and no man does join themselves to him, but they magnified him. Verse 14, it says, and the believers were more added to them and to the Lord, multitudes, both men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them in beds and couches, lest the shadow of Peter might overshadow them. And there came also a multitude out of the cities. And some uh, multitudes around the cities and, and around Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits. And it says that every single one of them were healed. Every single one of them were healed. This is where we're driving towards. That every single one of them were getting healed. Amen. What does one accord look like? It looks like that. This is what's going to happen. You want to know when we get in one accord of the church, it's going to look like that. That when we start walking down Strand, Strand Road out there, like, oh, there they are. Des is walking down the street. Bring them out. You know that sick dude. Bring them out here. He's going to get healed. He's coming down the road. I mean, people think this is far-fetched. It's not. This is biblical. This is biblical. I mean, it's not far-fetched, church. This is what one accord looks like. We're not fighting against one another. We're not fighting against doctrine. Amen. We're just releasing the kingdom. People will begin to gather. Why? Because they will be able to see the light. It won't be hazy on the inside of you anymore. They'll be able to see it. Amen. They brought forth. Who brought forth the people that believed? Amen. Why? Because they recognized something on these people. So they went and they went, dragged people out of their beds, dragged them out of the hospitals, dragged them out of their deathbed, dragged them out of the casket, I'd guarantee you and set them down as the apostles were walking by so that the shadow might overshadow them. That it might overshadow them. Now, why, why is it Peter's shadow that they're always focusing with? Ever thought about that? You know, why was it just Peter here? Why wasn't it, you know, James and John, man, they're, you know, they're a part of the crew. I mean, those are the three that were most intimate with God. They're, they're, part of the, they're the ones that saw the mountain transfiguration. They, they, they were part of the crew. Why was it just Peter? Amen. Well, I don't have that answer for you, but, but, but why was it just Peter? I mean, you look, you look, at, you look at James, and he was the first one martyred. I mean, he, there had to be power flowing through, through James. If, if they were the first one, they yanked and, and tried to cut his head off, or did cut his head off. Amen. It was the first one, so he had to be flowing in power. You know, even John himself, later on in his life, John himself, they tried to kill him as well. What they do? They tried, to, they tried to lean him into boiling oil. What happened? They dipped him into boiling oil and pulled him back out, expecting his flesh to be, to, uh, his flesh to be bo- uh, falling off of him. What did he do? He starts praising God. Glory to God. Why? Because he wasn't done yet. See, God says, with long life, I will satisfy you. Not when people want to kill you. Not when people want to destroy you. His life wasn't done yet. He said, no, I don't think so. They figured out, man, we can't kill this man. Let's put him off to the, to the island of Patmos. So we better send him out there. Maybe he'll die out there. He didn't die out there either. Why? He wasn't done. What did he do? He wrote the book of Revelations. He wrote letters unto the church. Amen. He brought freedom back in the church. And what did he do? He got released from that place, went to Ephesus. And Ephesus is where he died as one of the bishops of the church there. One of the elders of the church. Why? Because he was done. He was done. But why wasn't it him? Why was it just Peter? Amen. Well, some say that, that, that Peter was the eldest of them all. 
I mean, that John was, could have been a, a teenager at the time, you know, early 20s to, to a late teenager. And, and Peter was, was the eldest. He was the one that, that had the ability to, to walk around with this, with this stature of power. Now, one of these days, I, I, regardless, I don't, know, I don't know what this was, but I'll tell you one thing. There was something on Peter. There was something on Peter, and I'm telling you, it wasn't just his shadow. Amen. There was something that came upon Peter that was absolutely amazing. Amen. That people thought, if I can just get, if I can just get close enough, if I can get in a shadow's distance from him, I'll get healed. That's how much glory is coming off of that man. That's, that's all I need to do. Ooh, church. Do you have anything upon you today? Amen. Is there anything upon you today? See, this is where the church needs to be. This is where I want to be. I'm not there yet, but this is what I'm hunting after. Amen. I'm, I'm hunting after. I want to be so fooled with the glory and the presence of his light, church, that it begins to radiate on me. It's a cloud that begins to follow me everywhere I go. That people say, man, all I got to do is just get in a, in, a, in a shadow's distance from when I know I'm going to get healed. Why? Because of the power that you're carrying. Because of the power, what's overshadowing you. Like I'm telling you, I love it. I love it when you pray for people and people fall out under the power of God. You know, that's amazing. I love it. I even like it when it happens to myself. But I'm telling you, we need to get past that place where we're believing God for people to, to fall under the presence of God and believe God to get raised up by his power. Amen. That we can walk and people get raised up. The dead get raised up simply by the power of God that's radiating on the inside of it. What was on Peter? What was on Peter? It wasn't just a shadow church. What was on Peter? I'm telling you, it was, the, it was the glory of God that was upon him. See, just like, just like Jesus in John chapter, uh, excuse me, in Mark chapter 3, when he was walking down the streets, people were going touching him, touching, touching his garment. Why? Because everyone that touched his garment got healed. Amen. It wasn't the garment that was healing people. Hmm? It was what was upon Jesus that was healing people. All they had to do is get close enough to touch his garment, and they were getting healed. That's where their faith was going, and they could get healed. Amen. Then, then you see Peter doing greater things even, than even Jesus was doing. All they had to do is get from, from me to Adrian. They were getting healed. They didn't even have to touch him. Why? Because it's the same thing that was upon them. It launched faith. It ignited faith on the inside of people that they began to grab it. Well, what was it? What was it? Because it wasn't his clothes. It wasn't his shadow. What was it? It says here, In verse 15, it says, they got close enough. They brought them in beds and couches, lest the shadow of Peter might overshadow them. Now, this word is fascinating, overshadow. It's the Greek word episkiazo. Uh, it means epi, which means to, upon, and skiazo, which means to, to cast shade, properly to cast shade or a shadow upon someone. If you look in the, in the Strong's Concordance here, it means to envelop in a haze of brilliancy. To be enveloped in a haze of brilliancy to where the preternatural or the supernatural influence will overshadow them. I love that. To be in a haze, being enveloped in a haze of brilliancy. What's that haze of brilliance? It's the Shekinah glory. I mean, it's being so, so caught up in the things of God that there is a cloud, there is a haze of glory that follows you around, that has engulfed you, that people begin to recognize. Ooh, church, I don't know about you. I'm telling you, this, this is where I want to be. See, this is, the same, this is the same thing that came upon Mary in Luke chapter 1. Listen to this. In, in uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 34 and 35, it says, And Mary said to the angel, How can, how can I get pregnant? How can I receive something when, when I have not known a man? That's a Greek word, gnosko. It means to, how do I, I've never been intimate with a man before. How, how, can, how can I have a baby? And the angel told her, he said, he said look here. He said, look here, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High shall overshadow you. It shall episkiazo you. It shall envelop you in a cloud of brilliance. Amen. And you will have, you will have the Son, the Holy One who is born, who is called the Son of God. His brilliancy, his, his cloud of brilliance will, will envelop you and cover you. Mm. Give me just a few more minutes here. Let me... This is another good example, and I'll close with this. Where is that, Lord? In Matthew 17. In Matthew 17, another powerful example here of the transfiguration that took place. 
It says after, after six days, you know, you know, Peter, James, and John, they, they, uh, they were brought with, uh, brought with Jesus up to the mountaintop. It says that he was transfigured before them. That word transfigure is a Greek word metam- metamorpho. It's, it's a, metamorphosis, a metamorphosis took place. Amen. You say, what does that mean? It means that the light and the glory of God actually came out of them. The boys, James, John, and Peter actually got to see the real Jesus. They got to see what was on the inside of them. A metamorphosis took place. And it was such a metamorphosis, so such a brilliance that not only his face began to shine like Moses did, amen, but even his clothing began to shine. It says he was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was as white as the light. And behold, there appeared in them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto, uh, said to, and he said unto Jesus, Lord, is it, good, it is good for me to be here. He goes, I'll make three tabernacles or three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he yet spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them and said, Behold, behold, a voice out of the cloud said, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I love that as, as Peter in his ignorance sits there and starts saying, Hey, Jesus, you know, I know all three of you are equal. Amen. You know, Moses, Elijah, and I'll make, I'll make a tent for all of you. When, when you had Moses and Elijah, the ones that was representing the law and one that was representing the prophets, they were come to glorify Jesus, amen. And what did the father do? The father said, uh-uh, hello, this is my son. This is my son who I'm well pleased. This, this is my son and who I'm, who I'm well pleased. But he says that a bright cloud, a bright cloud engulfed them. What is that bright cloud? That's that, that's that word photos, where it comes from phos right? It means, it means the light, the light of the life of God began to, to engulf them, amen, to, to come around them. It began to, to overshadow them. It episkiazoed them. The light and the life of God overshadowed them as, as, a, as what was that? And as a haze of brilliance began to envelop each and every one of them. How did Peter know that he could receive this? How did Peter know? How did Peter know that he could, he could get, get the same glory on him? He believed what John 14, 17 said. When Jesus looked at him and said, you know what? The same works I do, you shall do also. Even greater works than these because I go unto my Father. He knew these things to be true. He knew if G- all you got to do, Jesus, say to me, I'll walk on water. All you got to do, Jesus, say is go heal someone, I'll go heal them. All you got to do, Jesus, say that I can get engulfed in this kind of presence and I'm going to hunt after that presence until I get it. And when I get it, I'm going to begin to walk down the streets. I'm going to do the same exact things you did, even greater things. All we got to do is get enveloped, get enveloped in that haze of glory. Why was it so easy for Jesus to manifest this presence of God? It was his identity. It's who he was. Why was it so easy for Peter to get enveloped in this haze? It's who he was in Christ. Church, why is it so easy for us to do this? Because it's our identity. It's who we are. It's who God's called us to be. It's what he's placed on the inside of us. It's what he's desiring to do. It's what he's been speaking in his word over and over and over again so we can just believe what his word has to say and we can step out and begin to do these things. Hmm? But the key is we got to get enveloped. This is, we'll get, when we get so enveloped in his presence, this is why, just like the early church, I'm telling you, sickness couldn't stop them. Poverty couldn't stop them. Caesar couldn't stop them. The world couldn't stop them. You say, why is that? Because they knew who they were in Christ. It wasn't because they're more powerful than you are. They actually believed who they were in Christ. It wasn't a game. It wasn't a game. It was a reality. They, they sold themselves into slavery unto Jesus and allowed him to work himself through. If we can just cultivate that church, if we can just cultivate that same presence, that same intimacy, I'll guarantee you that same cloud of glory will be following you everywhere you go. Not just because I say it, because the word says it. Amen. I'm telling you, does anyone in here desire to be so engulfed with his presence that you walk with the Shekinah glory, that cloud by day and the fire by night, you walk with it. So you have the ability to do it. We just got to submit ourselves unto it. We got to yield ourselves unto it. And this isn't, <laughs> oh man, as I say these things, I'm telling you, church, this isn't so far-fetched as you think it is. Hmm? This isn't just a sermon. This is a message from heaven. Amen, trying to, trying to, build you guys, to encourage you guys up to come after his presence 
And when you come after his presence, I'm telling you, it will not only change everything about you, it will change everything about the people you come in contact with. It will change everything about the people you come in contact with if we can just yield to it. So can your shadow heal? Not necessarily. But the presence you carry will transform, it will heal, it will deliver, and it will set people free just by you walking close enough to where your shadow gets on them. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. We glorify you. We magnify your holy name, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for, for your mercy. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you continue to teach us and teach us and teach us, Lord. We know we've gotten off track in the last 2,000 years, Lord. Help straighten us out. Get us, get us going down the middle of the road again, Lord, that we can begin to do the things that you're calling us to do to where this world can get redeemed, where people will get transformed, healed, saved, filled with the Holy Ghost everywhere we go, just because we're carrying you, just because we're carrying your presence. Holy Spirit, we say, we say, reveal yourself unto us in such a capacity that we're not running from you, that we're not pushing back against you, Lord, but we're allowing you to flow with us in everything that we're doing, that we invite you into everything that we're doing. Lead us, guide us, direct us. Train us up. Train us up. Although we're hungry for you. We're thirsty for you. And we know your word says that he that if we continue to knock, if we'll knock over and over and over again, Lord, you'll be the one that continually answers. And you'll fill us with the exact things we're desiring for. We thank you, Lord, for the desires you placed in our hearts. Ah, give us the courage. Give us the boldness. Give us the tenacity to push after it, to hunt after it. We thank you for it, Lord. Oh, hallelujah, we glorify you for it. In Jesus' name, we glorify you in Jesus' name. Lord, as we, as we exit out this place today, as, a, as we exit out of this place today, before, we, before I do that, with every head bow, every eye closed, I just want to ask you a question here. I just want to ask you a question here. I want to ask you, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or do you need to re-give your life back unto him? So you fully want to get submitted unto him. I'm going to tell you, church, I don't, I, don't, I, don't do these, I don't do these altar calls unless the Holy Ghost tells me to do it. So I'm telling you, there's someone in here that, that's desiring something more of him. Either you're desiring to give your life unto him or you're desiring to submit your life back unto him again. So if there is anyone in this place, listen, just slip up your hand real quick. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray. I just want to get you into that place that, that you're hunting for, that you're hunting for. So if that is anyone in here, you're going to have to be bold. I'm not going to do it for you. Jesus isn't going to do it for you. You slip up your hand. Hallelujah. Thank you. I see that. Hallelujah. Is there anyone else in this place? I see that too there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I see that there too. Hallelujah. I see that there too. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. We all stand to your feet with me. We're going to say this prayer out loud together. Oh, we thank you, Lord. How oh, we thank you, Lord. Oh, we glorify you. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, Lord, to, to rededicate and give our lives back unto you today. Lord, this is, a, this, is a, hmm, this is a holy moment, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for giving us the opportunity. So I want you all to repeat with me today. Father, I thank you for your goodness, for your love, for hunting after me. Father, I give myself unto you. Not just a compartment. I'm giving you all. Because you deserve all. Because you are that good. So forgive me, Father, where I've let you down. Thank you, Lord, for redeeming me. I receive you fully, completely, this day, right now, in Jesus' name. Fill me again with your spirit. I desire the fullness of you to flow through me. I want your gifts. I want your love. I want your compassion. May I see things the way you see it. May I speak those things that you speak. May I live as you lived. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
Glory to God. Lift up your hand. Just give God thanks for that. Ah, we thank you, Lord. Ah, we thank you. Oh, you ought to be a little more happy about that. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We glorify you. You are amazing. You're wonderful. Thank you, Lord. I, I can, I can, boy, I can feel a spirit of peace that just come in and rest into this place. And I thank you for it, Lord. So as we exit out of this place now, Lord, we take a hold of your, of, your, of your word in Psalms 91, which is the tradition of this church that no evil shall befall us. Neither shall any plague come nigh our dwelling place. Lord, for you give, you yourself give your angels charge of us because you love us so much. Lord, they bear us up in their hands. At least we dash our foot against the stone. Lord, we are protected in everything that we do. We're protected down the railways, the seaways, the airways, the motorways. Lord, any means of transportation, even as we're walking down the walk paths, no, no wicked plan from a wicked man or the devil himself shall come against us and harm us. In Jesus' name, we are the protected of God because we're your sons, we're your daughters. So we thank a hold of that, uh, take a hold of that protection and we bring it with us as we go into that secret place of the Most High. We decide this day that we're not ever coming out of it. We're not coming out of that secret place. We're not gonna go play in the world again. We're, we're staying in the secret place for here on out. So we glorify you for it, Lord. We praise you for it. We thank you, Lord, there's no wicked plan from the wicked man or the devil himself that shall get us off track. We push back against darkness because we have this cloud of glory that's following us everywhere we go. So we thank you for it, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for overshadowing us. Thank you, Lord, that your glory, your goodness overshadows us. Lord, and may it purge darkness when it comes near us. Lord, that, that even people that are sick, when they come into our presence, Lord, they get healed because of your goodness that's in us and upon us. Lord, we thank you for it, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this church. We walk out of here in faith and love towards you and love towards one another. Lord, thank you for the ambassadors of Christ. You've called each and every one of us to be. Thanking you, Lord, that here at Island Church, we are covered by the blood. We are empowered by your word, and we are anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen.